Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. It started to dawn on me that I was actually really tired of trying to be better. That all the things I were doing, all, all the things I was doing wasn't, they weren't necessarily making me stronger. I think in some ways there we they were I, there was a lot of dependency on external input, and you know what I call the paraphernalia of the new age, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just and I it was wasn't hard to see this wasn't just me that was feeling that way it was really me and all my girlfriends, and then every time I get off stage, the women would come up to me I'd hear the same things, and basically we're really tired. And this is not the point, you know, further fatigue and berating yourself and self-criticism. I'm pretty sure this is not the point of walking the spiritual path. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Danielle, welcome back to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I'm so happy to be here. Fourth time. So I feel like I'm moving into like legacy mode with you, you guys. <laughs> you really are moving into legacy mode. You know, it, it's funny because we've had you four times. Not only that, the last time we had you here was when we officially changed the name to Unmistakable Creative. And it was very fitting since the title of the interview was starting a new chapter um, in life and business. But I want to start this conversation uh, with you a bit differently than I have in the past and ask you a question that I have found has been very interesting, fun and revealing. And that is what social group were you? a part of when you were in high school and what impact has that had on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Oh, oh great question. This is so good. Um, I was a bridge in high school. I was in between. I walked in many, I walked in two worlds. So I was real. I had one foot very much in like the cool girl, the popular girl click. And, you know, those were the it girls. And then I had one foot in the artistic, broody fringe kids. And I kind of went in between both of them. And this is a great question because I actually asked this in, in the book club that's a part of my next book of like, who was your tribe back then? Who are they now? Is it what you want it to be? So to answer the second part of your question, how is that like, what is it? How does it affect my life? Is that the second part? Yeah. How has it impacted the choices that you've made throughout your life? I'm always watching. I'm always watching my antenna are always up to figure out who feels the way they're feeling. And this is part of my upbringing as well. And, and you know, you develop certain skills to, to survive and to thrive. And 
I am, it's made me curious in every, in everybody's story. You never know. You never know who you're sitting next to. And it's made me, I have much, a much more malleable, not malleable is not the right word. Um, I have a very broad definition of power. Um, so it isn't for me, it's not about status. I mean, I'm really interested in people who are, who feel powerful within themselves. And I think I, that started in high school. Yeah. Great. Great. First question. Thanks. This is going to be good. <laughs> oh, it always is. I mean, you and I always have the most riveting conversations. So I had to ask about your upbringing since you mentioned it. And I'm curious, you know, what it was like um, for you to end up, you know, sort of with this perspective on life that you have. I mean, were you raised basically doing nothing but reading self-help books and being exposed to all of this stuff? Yeah, uh, and I'm just curious, you know, what your parents were like. Um, well, it's really was really defining for me that my parents were really young. So my parents had the classic shotgun wedding. My mom got knocked up in high school. So, you know, my mom had just turned 19 when she had me. And that made a huge difference in <laughs> how I was raised because I went everywhere with my parents. Um, I was like exposed to a lot of stuff, probably that I shouldn't have been exposed to, but you know, plus it was like, it's the seventies, right? There's lots of weed. There's lots of house parties. There's lots of Crosby, Steele's Nash and Young cranked. And all that was like really good. And let's see, that's interesting too. See, now you've got me really getting therapeutic thinking about this high school thing because I was having lots of conversations with adults when I was a kid and really going in between worlds. Like it's like I'm 10 and I'm 40 all at the same time. And also my parents split up a lot. Um, they, they were not a match made in heaven. Uh, it was not, you know, there was a lot of stability. There was no violence in my household or addiction, but we were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's fair to say. So it made me very, I, I mean, I had to know what the mood was in the house that day. If this was a day that everybody was staying together or if we were getting ready to move. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned this idea of, of being a bridge and it's interesting because this seems like an ongoing theme throughout your life. Uh, you know, and the reason I say that is that to me, I think one of the very interesting paradoxes of your life and your career is I know that you started out working at a think tank in Washington, D.C., and then you've got this incredibly spiritual side uh, to the work that you do, which has always been one of the things I found most you know, interesting about you because it's this bre really interesting blend of this incredibly spiritual side that seems at moments new agey, but this also very practical side that allows you to accomplish extraordinary things. And I am curious, you know, how people build that kind of a bridge in their own life or find the balance between those two things. Yeah, I'm curious too. <laughs> <laughs> um, this really is everything I'm about right now, or maybe I've been about that for a long time and just getting more intense. I want a spirituality that works in my life. Um, where I can find peace in the mundane, where I can find the divine in the everyday, um, where I don't feel guilty. Like there is no guilt in my pleasures for, you know, spiritual reasons. So if I want to have a cigarette and a smoothie in the same day, I can do that. <laughs> if I want to talk about meditation and mascara in the same conversation with my friends, which is 
happens on a regular basis, like super esoteric stuff. And then, you know, I found these great jeans, you know, they're, these are the best ass jeans ever, you know, and that's real life. That's real life for me. So it's, that's my definition of whole <laughs> every day and esoteric. Um, think tank and spirituality. Well, I mean, this is part of the learning of being in Washington, D.C. and helping to run that think tank at the time was I couldn't be completely out and have fluid conversations about what I was really interested in. And I felt like a big fraud. Like I had a raging imposter complex when I was doing my thing. I was wearing black suits and I was wearing loafers and I had this really severe bob haircut and I had to act interested in things I wasn't necessarily interested in. But underneath that, through all that, you know, I never, my, my commitment to be of service to the world was unwavering. Um, and I just thought that that was the route to do it. And it, you know, that was a really logical thinking. I mean, let's do deep research and do scenario planning on the potential trends that might collide around AIDS in Africa and weapons of mass destruction and water wars and, you know, big global topics. And someone needs to do that. Someone really, really needs to do that. Scenario planning can be such a brilliant force for how we make change, but it's not me. It's, that's not where I want to be. I want to be, I'm in an, I'm, I'm in those two worlds again. I'm like really in the pop culture space and seeing, I love really trying to figure out like what of the human psyche collectively is playing out in pop music and entertainment. And I was just having this conversation yesterday with somebody about all the damn zombie shows that are everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, this is a reflection, consciously portrayed or not, of where we are at. That same vibration that you're getting in zombie shows, you can see in the mall, in the middle of any country. Um, yeah, that's right. That was a tangent on <laughs> zombies and consciousness. But where were we? <laughs> we were talking about the, the balance between the two, but I, I think you answered my question. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the imposter complex, I have a feeling that every one of us feels that to some degree. I still have moments when I feel it. Um, and I'm curious what that period of your life taught you about human behavior and relationships and communication with people, which I realize is like a landmine of a question. Yeah. But you should be used to it um, by now. <laughs> everybody is faking it. That's my, that was one thing I learned, or so many of us are faking it because in that, so first of all, you're in Washington, DC. So there's, there's a very predominant, um, bought into definition of what power is political power, the power to lobby. Um, there's a lot of nationalistic bravado. Um, it's very much a patriarchal mindset. I mean, there's not even an argument to be had there. Uh, so there's a lot happening there. And what I learned was when you really got to know somebody, they're just as scared, insecure, just as hungry for love 
Um, their capacity for compassion is huge. They're, everybody's just as wounded for one reason or another. You know, working with... So I learned the dark side, like we're all scared, and I learned the light side. There are some really big-hearted people in positions of power. And I really felt like, you know, I had my attitude <laughs> uh, reconfigured when, you know, I came into contact with a lot of high-level military folk. And I had some pretty severe judgments going in to those situations. And, you know, I met a lot of men in uniform who were really there for what I would consider peaceful reasons. I mean, they really wanted to keep the peace in their country. They really wanted to protect people's civil liberties. They were really good fathers. A lot of them, surprisingly, were vegetarian. I mean, I just, it really knocked the judgment out of me. And when you have, I, when you, I think when you have an experience like that, you realize how entrenched you've been in your own judgment. Well, let's get into um, sort of the idea, the ideas from the book and, and the core. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what prompted, you know, this inquiry uh, in this book and, and what planted the seeds for the, the, these, these ideas? Well, this, without sounding dramatic, <laughs> this book is my life. I mean, really, this is every silly, awesome, successful failure, addictive behavior, divine reaching I've ever done to like be a better person. I I mean, in writing this, I had to recapitulate like, oh my God, how many workshops did I go to? Like how many, I'm, I just like eat self-help books for breakfast and oh, like, like how many astrology readings have I had? And the turning point where it became, in my opinion, like, um, uh, you know, useful content for someone other than myself was when I, it started to dawn on me that I was actually really tired of trying to be better, that all the things I were doing, all, all the things I was doing wasn't, they weren't necessarily making me stronger. I think in some ways there, we, they were, I, there was a lot of dependency on external input. And, you know, what I call the paraphernalia of the new age. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just, and I, it was, wasn't hard to see this. Wasn't just me that was feeling that way. It was really me and all my girlfriends. And then every time I get off stage, the women would come up to me. I'd hear the same things. And basically, we're really tired. And this is not the point. You know, further fatigue and berating yourself and self-criticism. I'm pretty sure this is not the point of walking the spiritual path. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, the, one of the things that, that really came to my mind as I knew we were going to be having this conversation is that it, it seems, you know, that a lot of people come to you. I mean, a lot of people who come and listen to the unmistakable creative are seeking answers to questions that they have. And part of what I started to wonder is, is there a point where you actually have all the answers or is this just a lifelong quest? Um, or, you know, I, I just, I couldn't help but wonder that. I thought, is, is there a point where you stop finally searching for answers? That's a great question. I don't think I will ever stop searching for answers, but where I look has changed. 
So I'm going to be constantly in this lifetime and lifetimes and dimensions beyond this looking for the answers for what resonates, what feels true for me, what I can see as light and dark and right and wrong. Always, always, I will constantly be measuring. Um, but I don't need anybody else to validate my truth anymore. I don't think anybody, I definitely, it's not thinking, I know there is nobody other than me who knows what's best for me, period, full stop. Am I interested in what masters have to say? Absolutely. Do I want, do I still, am I, do I still have a voracious appetite for all things esoteric? <sighs> more than ever, but I only proceed with new information and a new thing and a new methodology if it resonates with me. I am no longer trying to please this um, cosmic council. Certainly will never try and please a guru or a teacher. Uh, and it doesn't mean I don't have really deeply reverent relationships with spiritual teachers. I, I, I do. Uh, just not as many of them. <laughs> and I got much better at uh, being able to discern who is the real deal and who isn't. But I think the search is eternal. And the more you, the more you learn, the more you realize, the less you know. And it's beautiful. God, it's so beautiful. In that search, um, how do you let go of the need for validation? Well, that's not, it's not easy. So first of all, you have to know, like, it's an addiction. It's a deep psychological addiction that the majority of humans have to some degree or another. So you can be like, oh, I don't need my mom or dad's approval anymore. Awesome. Great. You do not. You have moved on from that. Then you're just like, oh, maybe I just need my lover's approval. Maybe the person I'm going to make, you know, well, actually you don't. Um, maybe I just need the approval of the Lord, of the cosmos, of my yoga teacher, of my favorite philosopher. Actually, no. <laughs> so it's a no for everybody. And part of being human and relating and giving love and receiving love is, of course, to some degree, you want people's approval. Of course we want to make people feel good. Of course we want to extend comfort and we want to do what we can to create harmony. And sometimes we do it for healthy reasons, sometimes unhealthy reasons. And sometimes we achieve that, that simpatico and sometimes we really fuck up and wound other people. Um, yeah, so specifically, how do you do it? You know it's difficult to do. Mm -hmm. You will definitely go through withdrawals. You will feel lost. Guaranteed, you will feel lost. You will feel like you cannot hear that still small inner voice that you're supposed to hear, that every New Age book has told you you should hear and listen to. And then you're going to hear something. You're going to make a decision, and you're not going to refer to or defer to anybody else. And you're going to think, okay, I'm going to make this decision on my own. And you're going to be worried about making the right decision. Sweaty palms. It's going to turn out okay. And then there's going to be another choice to be made. Whether it's take the job or what to eat or what time you're going to leave work. It's like the big stuff, the basic, basic stuff. And you're going to know. You're, not, you're going to know in your body. 
you're going to feel a sense of lightness and you're building your strength for hearing yourself. And my experience of this, of learning to like much more so like be my own guru and refer to me is that things aren't as much of a big deal as I used to think they were in terms of right or wrong. Like I used to get so much input into what decisions I should make with my business and my creativity and relationships. And I was hoping the psychic would tell me the when and the how and where the best place to put myself. And when I let so much of that go, I mean, a lot of that is still in my life, but when I let a vast amount of it go, I realized, you know, I'm going to learn what I need to learn. (laughs) Whether I start this division of the company or I don't, whether I hire this person or I don't, doesn't, you know, my karma is my karma. I'm going to learn one way or another. And there's infinite awesome possibilities. It, it, it turns out for me that, you know, reality creating is way more fluid than I thought it was when I was looking for someone to tell me to go left or go right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, so uh, on that subject of validation, I mean, having, you know, done many of the things that you've done, accomplished many of the things you've accomplished, you know, books, this amazing business. Um, and there've been moments ever when the external accolades or accomplishments, uh, felt empty or didn't live up to, you know, what you thought they would do for you. Well, they never feel empty and they never don't live up. I mean, I've never, I've never thought, well, you didn't say I was super awesome. You know, (laughs) um, I think there's been times, I mean, I have noticed, that I've numbed out at times where you get off stage and there's hundreds now of women who wait to get a hug and say hi and get their book signed. And they say really lovely things. And I noticed, I don't deflect it. I'm really open to it because deflecting doesn't do anybody good. That's disrespectful. And I just really thought, Sometimes when I go back to my hotel room, like, wow, Danielle, you need to take some of that in and feel the fulfillment that can come from that kind of gratitude. Because there's been lots of gigs and events where I'm just like, I, I take this kind of um, spiritual high road where I'm like, hey, I have nothing to do with you growing. It's really all you, sister. Thanks, but... You're on the path. I'm glad you read my book. God bless. And that's true, too. That's, I think that's actually really healthy detachment. But I'm actually, I have to talk to myself sometimes and just say, Dee, you know, why don't you just take it in and feel really good about that book you wrote and what you're doing matters to some people. And that's healthy, too. So both, both you need both. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Wow. So you know, one of the things that um, struck me in the book uh, was to say, you say that questioning your teachers is not a betrayal of them. Yeah. And yet, you know, I see so, so many people who treat the words of their teachers as gospel rather than guidance. In fact, um, you know, one thing that, that just came to memory as, as I was thinking about that was something that I heard Dan Kennedy say about Werner Earhart in the Landmark Forum, which I've mentioned on the show before. He said, you know, we sell independence, but we breed dependence, um, which, you know, kind of makes me cringe. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, why do you think that is? Why do so many people treat the words of their teachers as gospel rather than guidance? Well, one reason is we're lazy. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier to just get the answers from somebody else. Really, really is. That laziness is understandable. It's it's natural and it's part of 
becoming stronger. You have to be weak to know your strength. So it's cool for a certain period of time. And if you want to live a full life, if you, if you want what you say you want, because <laughs> all of us in this space are given lots of lip service to apparently wanting the same things, you know, to be free, to design our lives, you know, conscious lifestyle design. We want to feel empowered. We want prosperity. We want to be of service to the world. Okay, well, then the formula to that is to have no other person's formula. And, you know, what dude was saying about Est is so true in this space of so many people are preaching about go. I mean, they're saying the same things I'm saying right now Mm -hmm. and walk your own path fearlessly go where, you know, the path of least resistance. But I, I got the market cornered on this theory and there's seven steps and you need to eat this way, think this way, pray this way. And no one really being questioned, having your sermon question is not necessarily enjoyable. It's not really welcome. And it's hard to sell your stuff if you're not standing by your stuff all the time, if you're not standing by your 10 steps. And so it's a perfect storm of dictation and dependency. And dogma comes in all forms <laughs> we and this is really what i'm on my dogmatic soapbox about right now which is you know i'm really asking you to see the dogma in self-help and i'm asking you to see the dogma in your very well-lit yoga studio that is probably full of mostly thin mostly caucasian mostly middle to upper class women Mm -hmm. and that's part of life that's not all of life um so we all everything is unquestioned things become dogmatic and constricted brittle teachers uh inflexible teaching is dogma so that's my dogma, dogmatic rant on dogma. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I think following that thread, um, I wanted to ask you about the Noam Chomsky quote about manufacturing consent um, mm-hmm. through the media. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all of us are media creators, and I can't help but wonder if we even do some degree of manufacturing consent ourselves. Totally. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's called it's called Instagram filters. It's I want you look look, I write all of my blog posts. I write my I write from a really pure place where you know I'm very blessed. I think my muse or my angels, they just shut off this part of my brain when I write and I forget about any potential judgment coming my way. I just want to say what I want to say with the intention that it's useful. Okay. Then it's time to package it. So is a pure birthing and it's, then it's hustle time. I make sure that my posts are titled in very provocative, evocative search engine friendly ways. <laughs> and I want to appear to have a solution for your pain. Now, all of those things, I can do all of that personally 
in integrity because I'm very clear on my motives, which are to be self-expressed, to be of service. And I do all that by broadcasting what I think is light into the world. So, and I'm going to use the system to get my job done. So am I manufacturing consent? Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, I tell no lies. I, I put, well, let's, let me just think about that. I, mean, I don't ever literally lie about anything. I change the names of people to protect things. I guess, I don't know, is like using the the lark filter in Instagram, is that a lie? <laughs> <laughs> little bit, little bit. I lie a bit with my filters because they're really good for bags under your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you know, another question I wanted to ask you, you're a parent, uh, and most yeah. of us didn't necessarily grow up with parents who are, you know, uh, spiritually evolved or have spent an insane amount of time doing, you know, a lot of this self-help kind of work. And so I'm curious what you would tell to parents who are listening to this based on your own experiences. This is how I go about, quote unquote, parenting my kid. So I have a son. He is 13, and I will just tell you before I give any parenting advice, which I'm not really, I won the lottery in terms of kids. So my kid is very easy. He's healthy. There are no challenges here. So I can't speak to my kid drives me crazy. What do I do? So I, I know I have it good. And my approach with him is there is so much conversation around social opinion with us and what I think is crap, what I think is truth. And I'm in his face constantly about my opinions about what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with people and how to make it better and what's right and what is right action and what is morality and what is ethics and what is love and what compassion really looks like. And why so much of what we're in is just fucked up and wrong, quote unquote, with my kid. And I am, I am not shy. I do not hide. I am not embarrassed of my spiritual belief system with him. And I've had this conversation with a number of people in sort of a speaking gig setting where, you know, moms stand up and say, should I not give talk to him about essential oils and should I not meditate because it's a bit weird? I'm like, why would you do that? You took, you took decades to figure out that this is what works for you and this is the root of healthy living. Why would you round out your edges for your child? Your job is to brainwash your child with the most positivity and wellness-oriented stuff you can. So... And what I've noticed with my kid, when I'm like, you know, come here, I'm going to give you this cool essential oil on the back of your neck and here's why. Or we do a gratitude exercise on the way to school. Or I say, you know, listen, you know, you need to really tune into your intuition on this. And here's where I think the fairies live <laughs> in this forest. And this is just past life shit getting in your way. Um, sometimes he rolls his eyes. <laughs> and... I don't care. 
I stand in great pride for the belief system that I work really hard to carve out in my being. And he gets to choose. He gets to choose most steps of the way. I mean, I force a lot of, <laughs> you know, there's no meat in the house. Um, but if you want to go and have a hot dog? Go ahead, dude. It's your life. Just know that that is full of guts <laughs> and chemicals and you know, that was spray with pesticides. You choose. And yeah, let's go sugar it up for your birthday. Rock out. Yeah. How do you think about um, education? Uh, you know, coming at, looking at it from sort of the entrepreneur's lens and then where we're headed and, and what the future is going to look like. I feel hostile about the educational system. <laughs> you and me both. Um, I say to my kid on a regular basis, and this is part of consciousness and keeping him awake. I say to him, let's be really clear. Your educational system is letting you down on a daily basis. And we're going to do we're going to do the best that we can. So I'm not I'm, I'm not interested in the money that's required to put him into private school. And I'm not convinced that the private school system in my city is any better for him. So that's off the table. I'd rather take the money that I could pull together for private school and and travel extensively with my kid and buy him the next guitar and the next or get whatever he needs for his creativity. Um, I have taken it upon myself. So I'm not interested in homeschooling my kid. I'm not wired that way. And he loves to be with people. And thus I have a career. That's not that's not an option. Um, so I have a book in my kitchen. My son and I have a book uh, called, it's his name and my name. So so-and-so and mama school of awesomeness. And I regularly write assignments in this book for him. And the assignments range from um, listen to a Beatles, Blondie, and a Pink Floyd song. Pull out one lyric that you really love from each song and write a poem. Mm. That's one assignment. The other assignment is, he hasn't done this one yet. Um, it's your job to plan an outing for us. You, we need to know what we're doing for eight hours. We have $50 to spend and it has to, we need to be able to get there on city transit. Go. And then I ask him to, you know, explain definitions of words, make up words and those kinds of things. And I never stop talking at him. <laughs> and we're constantly in conversation about how I think life works and we're doing our best. But the system is failing us uh, grossly. And I thought with my kid in kindergarten, there's a right answer, there's a wrong answer. Um, I mean, I'm currently feeling very hostile about the admissions process for my child, you know, where he's going to go to high school next year. It's clearly set up to make it easy for a unionized teacher system so that there isn't too much disruption and change in how the kids choose where they want to go. I mean, I was just speaking to someone yesterday. I'm like, why is it set up this way where it's this date and that date and this cutoff and this school doesn't talk to that school? And, and she said, because these were her exact words, we want to force the child's hand to make a decision. Hmm. Let's just think about this. You know what? My kid's education is not a fucking poker game. He is very clear 
very enthusiastic and he's been very mindful about where he wants to go to school. Why don't you set the system up for children to actually choose without having to get off this list if they choose this? Why don't you just expose all the dates and make this a transparent system? And it would be a little more chaotic and you'd probably have another maybe 10 administration hours at your end, but then the child would be empowered. You know, mm-hmm. I could go on. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had to ask because it's something I'm always very curious about. Um, so <clears throat> I want to ask you about um, some other thing. You know, you looked at uh, both healing and mental health issues in this book through multiple lenses. And this is something that I'm very curious about always because it's, it's near and dear to me. And you actually mentioned, you know, antidepressants and the people who try to self-help their way out of dark places. I, I know because I've done it. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm curious you know, what you would want someone to know uh, about all of this, especially if they themselves are in a really dark part of their lives. And I'm curious also how you've gotten out of the the ones in your own life. Another beautiful question. I would say to someone in a dark place who is on the spiritual path, considers himself on the path, um, time and place for everything. So I think there is a time and place for antidepressants to break the cycle, to change your chemistry. It is a, you know, turning towards antidepressants can be such a courageous, life-affirming thing for some people to do. So I don't have any judgment around that choice in certain cases. And there's always an end. We are an overly prescribed world. We are addicted, we are blind, we are lazy, and we are fucking corrupt when it comes to uh, the healthcare and the mental health care system. And I feel, I'm so upset when I hear, I mean, I write about this in White Hot Truth, when I hear about anybody who goes to a medical doctor, this is physiologically and biologically based system, to talk about what is essentially a psycho-spiritual issue. And they are without any real investigation and questioning. They are prescribed brain-altering medication. This is a crime (laughs) against the human spirit, the human brain, and the human body. And it needs to stop. So that's how I feel about that. And we need all of it. It's like... We need psychotropics in some cases, and we need antidepressants. We need the goddess, and we need rigorous meditation, and we need devout prayer, and we need to gather in our living rooms with our friends and tell them we're in a dark place. We need to cry in a circle of other people who are human, who have been there, and who have loved us, and who will continue to love us and be on the path with us. We need to just be so vulnerable and human. That is where so much medicine is. Um, so my, to boil it down, my general perspective on this is it takes a village and it takes multi-mediums and multi-dimensions to heal the whole person. And there's a time and place for everything. There's a time to knuckle down and do your mantras. And you might need to take some sleeping medication for a couple months to get through a trauma, mm-hmm. you know? So, 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, this is very near and dear to me personally because I had to get to a point where I took medication to get through it. I'm still taking the medication um, mm. because, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I was so sleep deprived. And if you know anything about depression, it's this mm -hmm. vicious cycle where sleep depression, sleep deprivation aggravates it. So you can't sleep because you're depressed and you can't you're you know, you're depressed because you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You need to break the cycle and create a new groove and eventually, ideally, you know, lift off into different kinds of support systems. Yeah. You know, I mean, part of the reason that um, I, I feel this conversation is important is I feel like we've had a, a stigma uh, around mental health, at, le at least in the culture that I grew up in. You know, the thing that really, I think, took me so long to get into a therapist office is, you know, in our culture, nobody tells you that um, you should go see a therapist. Basically, the, the sort of default narrative is therapy is for crazy people. Um, and if you need it, there's something wrong with you. And we definitely would never tell anybody who is on our circle of family friends about any mental health issues. Um, yeah. so I'm curious what you'd have to say about the, the sort of stigma well, that goes around. I'm this. smiling as you say this because, you know, I'm on the other side and, and it's like me and all my new age girlfriends, we think you're crazy if you don't go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I really, you know, people who will like share a problem with me. I'm like, well, what'd your therapist say? And they're like, well, I don't have a therapist. I'm like, well, you're fucking nuts. You gotta <laughs> go to therapy. This is basic. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, I grew up with a mom who was, well, she's a therapist. I mean, she's a count. She's a vocational rehabilitation counselor and she was reading Wayne Dyer. So that was part of it. Um, and then, you know, a father who was a hockey player, like just didn't have any, any patience for any of this. Um, you, this is part of a community and it, you know, I can wax historical and philosophical about things like, you know, it used to be, you would go to your shaman, <laughs> you would go to your visit, you, you would go to your, the elders in your community. Like we need those. And I just love, I'm t I tell you, I'm coming into contact more and more with just lovely men who are hetero and business oriented and on the outside you wouldn't think that they were that holistically inclined and in a really quiet way they are and it's giving me so much hope because they're going for therapy and they do have a men's circle and they're asking their partners to go for counseling and they're downloading the meditation apps and I think you know to see Holistic men are the new, the, not the new, um, they're a critical metric in watching where society is going. And yeah, so, well, here's your hashtag. I mean, <laughs> men in therapy are sexy. <laughs> so yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned men in particular, because I think you're right. I mean, for men in particular, the, the idea of, you know, doing that almost feels like a sign of weakness and we're really reluctant to do it. Um, but I, I think for me, when I got in there after about six months, I was like, shit, I should have done this like 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, part of I, I think something that's helpful for everybody to keep in mind. So first of all, we need to be really clear. There is psychology, psychology based therapy. Um, you know, you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And then there is more esoteric, you know, spiritually infused therapy. My choice is 
the merging of the two and, you know, great in between for both a great bridge is you know, sort of the young yin and then you can move into a shamanic perspective and the esoteric stuff. But, um, basic psychology is a lot like basic science. And I think if people who are therapy averse just kind of took that on board, it would help them make that really great step to, Mm -hmm. to go in and get that support system. So it's like, Hey, you grew up and this is your birth order. (laughs) This is your gender. This is your culture. This is how your mother behaved, how your father behaved. And this was the era. We could predict that your behavior would be like this. These are the symptoms of abandonment issues. This is what happens when you grow up with someone who is narcissistic. This is what, you know, so this is, these are nuts and bolts things that people need to, uh, just see how they're, see how we're constructed. Mm. Wow. Um, this has been very, very riveting and deep as I, uh, expected it would be. Um, so I have one last question for you, which I know I've asked you before, so it'll be interesting to see how you answer it two years later. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Oh, unmistakable. I was at a New Year's Eve party once and people were in the living room in a circle dancing and the music was really loud and and this and a, a friend who was there, you know, your friend will take you aside and just kind of tell you who everybody is. So you, you're getting about to meet them. And he was like, and I forget this woman's name, but, you know, he was kind of yelling in my ear and he said, and that's so and so. And she was dancing and just, you know, really just letting it all out. And he said, and she becomes herself more every day. And I would say that is what unmistak- unmistakable is where. You are becoming more of yourself every day. Well, I think that makes a, a very poetic and uh, beautiful end to our conversation. Where can people learn uh, more about the book? Uh, I'm everywhere. You know, I'm everywhere. The center of my universe right now is Instagram. I just love that space for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at DanielleLaporte.com and the book itself audio, digital, print, gold foil. I finally got my gold foil on a cover. (laughs) It's like in all awesome bookstores. And Srini, like, you're a great interviewer. And I think, I think, I hope I told you that on interview number one, how many years ago when we first met, like, you are really, I know you know this. I hope it's awesome to hear this from somebody else. Like, you are so in your dharma. You were so in the flow um, when you interview. So anytime, brother. It's so great to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.